Welcome to another episode of Hockett Podcast. Today I have teacher, tutor, video editor, and podcaster Jake from Local Listens Podcast. How's it going? Hey man, good to see you. Happy Friday, my friend. Happy Friday to you as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been trying to bring you on since last year. Yeah, it's been funny too because right around last year was when I first started and I remember meeting you in the talk at the tavern on Friday nights. Uh, with that's Ghost correct. Yes, that's where we night. met. Yes. And I, I got to give a special shout out, uh, not only to Ghost, but to Joe and Jen and Ben from Legit Podcast or Legit Bat Podcast because they first invited me on. They're like, yeah, you should come check it out. You're going to meet some, some cool people. So I got to meet you there. I got to meet Ghost, obviously, and Lehman and uh, Whit, Whit, Whitney Fox and yes. uh, all these awesome folks. So I'm happy that you were there. Mm-hmm. I'm chat. happy to I've met you as well. So tell my listeners about what Local Listens Podcast is. Yeah, it's funny. I was just thinking about that today, actually, because it's been about a year. Even though I haven't been doing this for a full, a full year, and I'll get to that in a second. Basically, in the beginning, I wanted to do something that was all about video editing. So I, th- I, I had the cool idea inspired by Duncan Trussell. I don't know if you've ever seen Duncan Trussell's Midnight Gospel on Netflix. I have it's not. pretty cool. So he he took audio from his podcast and he put it to these animations. And the same animator that created uh, Adventure Time, Pendleton Ward, designed these really cool episodes. They just take a clip from his podcast and they edit it. They create like a whole video animation. And it's re- really, really cool. I was inspired by that. And that premiered, you know, sometime during 2020 while everyone was locked down. So I was all over that. And I would go back and watch it again. I highly recommend it. It's Midnight Gospel. Anyways, when I first created that Instagram account at Loco Listens, I called it Loco Listens Podcast Notes. And I would take clips from my favorite shows. So like My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, Rising from the Ashes. Took some clips from Andre Exertis and Andy from the, the Deep Share podcast and just anyone who uh, I was vibing with. And I would just take a little clip and put some music to it and put some cool video visual along with it, almost like a promo. But I called it podcast notes because I was taking a bit of insight or like a bit of wisdom from that podcast to put out into some kind of visual form, like a meme, basically, a short mm-hmm. video meme. And that's where it all started. And then I was doing it for a while and it was a great way to meet and well not meet, but well, I did end up meeting a couple podcasters, but um, I started chatting with these people because I was like, Hey, like, do you mind if I use your, your, your audio in my video? They're like, yeah, sure. That's totally fine. And then we started becoming friends. And then a- after a couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? I should just start my own podcast and call it Loco Listens because uh, I was already listening quite a lot, so I was like, "Why don't I just join in on the on the uh, conversation?" So, one of the first shows I ever did was actually the Legit Bat podcast, and so I got to shout them out again. I just spoke to them recently, um, and yeah, man, that's what I've been doing. Uh, I'm still doing video edits, and I've really been going full steam ahead on the video editing business. So I've got a couple clients, um, and I'm really excited too because I'm helping people that I already support and love and cherish what what they're doing so it's cool that i get to help them promote their podcast or their business uh it's not just podcasts too like i have some yoga girls who want (laughs) to put their videos out and uh you know other things of that nature so 
trying to um, put myself out there more and make a more of a side hustle because I'm definitely getting a new job in June. I know we're going to talk about teaching. So uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's going to be uh, a, a big factor in doing some kind of other work. So where did the name come about from? Loco Listens. Uh, so my, my father's name, Loco Rotondo, comes from Italy. And if you Google Loco Rotondo, you'll find a very beautiful Italian circular city. Like Loco is obviously crazy in Spanish, but Loco Rotondo means a location that is round. And it's uh, this circular shaped city. It's really beautiful. It's on the heel of the boot, like Southeast Italy. And that's where my uh, paternal lineage comes from. I've never been to, to Europe, but it's definitely on my bucket list. Maybe I'll meet other people with my same last name. I, I know there's a couple of them out there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Loco Listens. I mean, the whole idea in the beginning with the podcast notes and the videos was that I'm a guy who's listening. I'm taking notes, essentially, and I'm hoping uh, that you know I can share a little bit of insight because you've ever been in that situation? I mean, I just have a couple of friends like this who I hear a really cool podcast, so I send it to them, and they're like, I'm not going to sit there and listen for three hours. So let me just send you like one little mini clip. Maybe you'll, you'll watch that. Yeah. yeah, I did. I did a one mini one mini clip for one episode. And I was like, this is too much damn work. So I was like, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> I have so much fun with it, man. Like every single morning, I, I make a big cup of, of coffee. And I uh, try to make at the very least one video before I drive away and go to my day job. But if I could do this all day as my full time job, I would be so happy. So I'm going to so, manifest that for sure. <laughs> so what kind of topics do you discuss on your show? Everything, man. I mean, um, there's really no limit to what I would talk about. And I, I know some people kind of say like for conspiracy research or spirituality and things like that, um, there's a bit of an echo chamber. Um, but I like it because, you know, if, if someone for say, you know, for an example, if someone disagreed with something I said, you know, I would invite them on the show and just have a, have an honest conversation. Um, I just like to, to think that, you know, if, if there's ever a topic that people care about, then it's worth having a conversation about. So uh, I recently yesterday got to record an episode with Daniel Diaz. He's the author of a book. It's called who would have thought it's about, an experience with cannabis. And it was the first time I ever got to interview um, an, an author who was going on their circuit other than um, my other friend, author of uh, Ben, author of The Last Dinosaur of the Lost Earth. So that was kind of fun to have these, these authors on. That's where I really loved podcasts was to talk about books. And since I'm an English teacher, it kind of fits in perfectly. Um, so yeah. So what's it like being a podcaster? What is it like? Well, I've realized that I have uh, friends all over the world, <laughs> and that that's always fun. It's also cool because I started podcasting last year, March 2022, and I think at that point in my life, I was super isolated, and I was up in Connecticut. I actually moved to Texas, and um, back in Connecticut, I mean, people were Maybe they still are. I'm not sure. That's why I'm not there anymore, my friend. But they were like very, very like for the current thing narrative that was going on with the pandemic. And I just wasn't about it from the beginning. In the beginning, I was scared. And then up around May 2020, I was like, all right, 
something's up. And it was weird because this isolation pushed me to do something creative because for a while I was just playing video games and just wasting time after work. And then I was like, all right, let me start making these videos. And then now as a podcaster, I'm sure you can relate. I mean, it's just, it's always exciting to look forward to a new conversation. Um, and I'm honored that you have me on as a guest. I don't really do uh, guest shows too much. I want to more often. Um, so I, you know, I appreciate just being connected to so many different people and um, having a variety of conversations. It's what I like doing in my normal, like outside of it, the internet life. But now <laughs> it's fun to to build a community. So in Telegram, I've got my Telegram group, and it's really fun because we're not always just talking about my podcast. It's just any conversation, any topic that comes up. That's always fun to just give people the opportunity to feel like their truth can be spoken. And so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your goals for this year with your show and the video editing project mm. you're doing? Yeah, my goals for that, um, I'll start with the podcast because what I've been thinking about is um, the people who probably would want to hire me as a video editor are most likely other podcasters or small business owners or content creators. So I think uh, one or two of the people that I've interviewed have asked me to make content for them. So it's a good way to, to uh, put myself out there. And I want to keep on doing shows and just maybe doing more research-focused shows. So like for now, um, I'm going to be starting my next project, which is uh, Dante's Paradiso. And I did a lot of work with Dante's Inferno in the beginning last year. So now I'm coming around to the end uh, of the of the Divine Comedy. So that'll be fun. Uh, I'll be on um, the Interverse podcast with Chance Garten uh, later in April. I think it's um, going to be later in April towards like April 26th. So he, he does that live on YouTube every single Wednesday, YouTube and Rockfin. Um, so I'm going to make a presentation about Dante's Paradiso. And that's that's really fun, um, especially because he's from Italy as well. So mm -hmm. I feel like connected to my ancestors there. And for the video editing and the tutoring, I, I, I started doing tutoring as well. Um, my goal for tutoring is, uh, well, the two of the people that I'm tutoring speak Spanish. Uh, they're from Paraguay and Mexico. So I'm getting really good at Spanish. I've been practicing for years, but now I get to really help people um, and feel semi-fluent. And I want to help them learn English, uh, maybe become an ESL teacher um, instead of working in a public school. And uh, with the video editing, I mean, I'm every day I'm working really hard on that. Um, I actually called out sick today. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I usually make one video per day because I can get like one video in before I go off to my day job. But today I called out sick. So I made... <laughs> <laughs> um, it's going to be a total of four four videos and they're all like one minute long it takes like an hour to make them but yeah I just want to keep on doing that and like I said earlier my friend uh, I know you had mentioned to me that you like would never work for anyone you would rather own your own business and I'm, I'm starting to think that I'm the same way because I do want to do this full time even if it's like a mixture of tutoring and video editing that would be awesome Mm-hmm. So where are you from? Tell us your origin story. I am from Connecticut. I was born in New Haven, Connecticut. And if you guys know, my family thinks I'm crazy. Uh, it's the same area that Mark always talks about. Uh, Mark's an awesome guy, by the way. I did get to meet him 
2022 before moving. But in uh, Connecticut, I grew up in Newtown, which is the same town that has Sandy Hook Elementary. And I did go to Sandy Hook, not as a student, but I've been there many times. So one time I, I was probably like in first grade, I went there for a summer camp and it was fun. Uh, Sandy Hook was a cool place. Uh, there was a pool nearby that we would walk to as uh, campers and our camp counselor would take us there to go swimming. And then later on, actually in 2011, the year before the shooting, I went to uh, Sandy Hook to help out with their wrestling team because I was a wrestler throughout high school. and. Um, I got to go there with my with the other captains, and we went to go help train the uh, little kids who were pretty badass, honestly. Because you know, if I I started wrestling when I was a freshman. If I had started when I was in first grade, like I would have been way way better. <laughs> that was cool. I got to have a bit of a connection there. Um, and my stepmom actually works at Sandy Hook now as a uh, a custodian. So it's interesting. I have a lot of ties to that school. Um, it's obvious, you know, what has happened there is, uh, very, uh, compelling and divisive. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can necessarily give my two cents, but it was definitely a huge, um, event that was part of my childhood because I was a senior in high school when this all happened in 2012 and Newtown high school where I went to is a mile down the road from Sandy Hook. So I was very close and that event was, uh, very much like a shift in my perspective. But just like 9-11 and Sandy Hook, I was too young to think any differently. And as I got older, um, I started to think about what was going on. I had heard you on a on a podcast recently talk about Las, Las, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And that's a, another one that is uh, very peculiar. So that's a very, uh, probably a, I probably focus on Sandy Hook too much when, when I talk about my <laughs> my uh, hometown, but it's 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 really hard not to because that's just that's uh -huh. uh, just a you know it's a very glaring uh, topic. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, is Connecticut uh, known for anything famous like food or landmarks? Connecticut's known for pizza, uh, <laughs> and uh, Connecticut is also known as like the suburb of New York. So most people don't even know Connecticut. Like they they know New York. And I lived about mm, two and a half hours from New York City. And um, I mean, to be honest with you, what I would remember Connecticut as if I were to like look back on where I was from is the forest and the mountains and the hiking. Um, but <laughs> there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Connecticut is also known for a very mixed bag of super, super, super liberal people who are living in the more metropolitan suburban areas. And then out in the rural areas, you have the very, very um, conservative and traditional type of people. And uh, here in Texas, I'm in Dallas, and it's kind of the same thing, but uh, just just better, just like friendlier people, I think, <laughs> and nicer weather. So what is one topic or event that changed your perspective on the world? Mm. Well, I've already talked about the event so I'm going to move to a topic instead. And for me, a topic that really changed me. So I'm actually working on a video now where Alan Watts is, uh, is, is mentioned. And there's a couple people that I think about as far as like this topic. It's uh, a very spiritual topic, but it relates to the idea of um, 
accessing higher levels of consciousness and psychedelics and tuning into that higher self. And Alan Watts was a big part of that. Ram, Ram Das or Richard Alpert was a big part of that for me. Uh, and Timothy Leary too. But um, most of all, I was Terrence McKenna. And I really liked reading all of his books and listening to everyone else that had previously mentioned all their lectures and things on YouTube. And for that topic, for me, it was kind of showing me something I already knew as a child, but I had forgotten throughout adolescence. Because when I was really young, I had this crazy dream that like, you know, I can go into the details of the uh, dream if if you like, but just to summarize, like it really showed me that there was more to just this 3D world than I had ever previously perceived. And so learning about these different spiritual ideas, um, not necessarily new age, although I definitely fell deep into the new age uh, stuff myself. Um, but yeah, it was all just a way to, especially after 2012, to keep myself uh, going and motivated and to keep my heart open. So all of that between, uh, well, <laughs> using uh, cannabis and mushrooms and experimenting with different meditations and lucid dreaming and ayahuasca and anything I could get my fucking hands on. I was like, I want to try all of it and see where it'll take me. Um, and now I'm a bit more grounded um, and sober, but at the same time that curiosity is still deep within me for sure. So may I ask you what lucid dreaming is? I've heard of that topic before, but I don't know anybody else besides you who's brought it up. Yeah, it's an awesome topic. I just did an episode with my friend Abby. Uh, she's on Instagram, Abstract Dreamer. She's a lucid dreaming expert, I want to say. Maybe she wouldn't be comfortable with that title, but she's a total expert because she's like remembering dreams every single night and she's going lucid. So lucid means you can control dreams. Like usually you're watching a movie and you're watching what's happening. When you become lucid, you become aware that you're dreaming and then you can start to control it. And the fun thing is that once you're fully lucid, you can do whatever you want. You can fly around. You can have sex with whoever you want. You can see people who have died. You can go anywhere. You can fly to Saturn. I don't know. Like You, you can do anything. It's all up to your imagination. Uh, but it's really challenging because one, it's hard to remember dreams. Um, and two, you know, once you become lucid, like I, I remember a few times I realized I was dreaming and I would wake up instantly because it's just so astonishing. You're like, oh my God, I can do whatever I want right now. And, and then I woke up cause I was so excited. So what's your opinion on transhumanism and AI or artificial intelligence? Well, uh, it's, it's ironic because AI has taken so many different forms, uh, for me, I use a lot of AI art in my video edits and, uh, you know, I work with some pretty cool artists who put out, um, a lot of fun animations. And I think for the artistic side, it's pretty cool for the, uh, global control perspective of it all though. I think it's kind of terrifying. And I've seen this actually in public schools, they're using a lot of AI programs to try to predict student behavior so they can use, um, it's kind of like Minority Report, where you get students to use this computer program over and over again, and it will generate an idea of who the student is and what they're capable of, what their skills are. And it's shrouded under the idea that this is going to help provide valuable data for, for teachers. And that's all the public schools care about these days is data, data, data. But there's no heart in it. And if you really want to understand your students, you just got to talk to them. You don't need to run them 
through some big computer simulation to be like, all right, I found, <laughs> I found out how to diagnose you. Uh, <laughs> you know, the concerning thing that I think most people think about is with AI, you know, if AI was listening, not if, but you know, if the AI was listening in order to like do uh, dox either of us, like, let's say we talked about like anti-jab stuff. They'd be like, all right, well, no more uh, digital currency for you. Your electronic vehicle will, will no longer operate. Like things like that would kind of scare me. Um, but on the artistic side, I think AI is pretty interesting. I've seen people use chat GPT for some pretty interesting things as well. Um, just automating certain tasks. So I think if there is any effort to make human lives easier, then that's, that's good. And if there's any effort to make the world safer, I mean, that's always dangerous, right? Because safety mm -hmm. is uh, usually not always um, a good thing if it's coming from a place of control. So I would hope that any people using AI are not using it to control other people, but they're just going to use it to enrich the lives of other people uh, in, for the most part. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned you were a teacher. Uh, what kind of teacher are you? And when did you get started? So it's funny. Uh, first, I'm an English teacher. I teach uh, literature mostly, if I can. And I'll get to why I say that. Um, but I started student teaching and doing all that before COVID. And then right in April 2020, when everything shut, shut down, that's when I graduated. So I was ready to graduate April 2020, but I couldn't get a fucking job because every school had closed down in the entire country. So I was unemployed all summer. Um, and then in uh, September of 2020, I put on my stupid mask and I went to this school and I was teaching uh, hybrid classes. So I had uh, a webcam set up and I was teaching to a couple kids in the, in the classroom and then the rest of them were on this Zoom call. And that was crazy. It was hard to like, it was like being in two different places. You know, if you're going to be teaching, you should either be like fully remote or like just on one side, you know, like can't can't do both but anyways it was an interesting experience for me and these days you know i honestly really liked my first job in connecticut i was a world world literature teacher and i got to teach uh we would start with latin america we had some really cool uh stories from colombia and peru and then we would go to uh all all over asia we read some really cool samurai and um taoist uh type of work and um, then we would go into Africa and South Africa and talk about apartheid. And um, we would also end on uh, one of my two favorites. Uh, one would be, you know, Night by Elie Wiesel, the, the Holocaust story. I would also bring up Viktor Frankl because there's a really good, like, psychological um, lesson that he teaches with avoiding nihilism. And then we would always end my all-time favorite Shakespeare play is The Tempest. And I don't know if you're familiar with Tempest, but it's uh, got a lot of magic. It's about a shipwreck on a magical island, and it's it's full of good, good, good stuff. But um, I got uh, the idea of leaving Connecticut and going to Texas to live with my friends, and I was really excited. I'm still excited to be here, but I've realized that in Texas, state education, the system is all about standardized tests. And oh, it's uh, it's been very draining. Like I barely get to teach literature. Like we don't read books, you know. Like we do like short passages and answer multiple choice or, you know, write a very formulaic essay. So I uh, 
I feel bad complaining about it so much, but I'm just kind of like stuck in it now. And hopefully um, I'll either find a better school or I'll just completely leave the career and do something new. Mm -hmm. So what got you interested in being a teacher in the first place? Well, for teaching, I was always helping my friends write their essays, like for writing in particular. Um, And my brother, it's it's always funny. I tell my my students this often just to remind them because I feel like there really are like two different kinds of students. There are students who really lean towards math and science and they're very uh, left brain. And then there's this, the students who love English and history and they're very right brained. And, you know, sometimes you get a mixture, a real scholar of both. I was not, I was totally an English and history kind of guy. <laughs> and uh, I was always failing math. My brother, though, my older brother was the opposite. He was always passing his math classes, doing really well, but he was failing English. So we were like yin and yang coming together, and I would help him write his essays. He would help me uh, with my math homework. And then I started doing the same thing throughout um, high school and college. Actually, someone plagiarized me when I was in high school. I wrote a college essay about um, when I was uh, (laughs) – I wrote this college essay because – when I was a cashier at, at Walgreens, this pregnant lady would come in every Sunday when I was working and she would buy cigarettes, like two, two packs of cigarettes. And I was like, I shouldn't sell these to you. You're fucking pregnant. But you know, there's nothing I could do. So I, I wrote my college essay about that and someone plagiarized it. Like I like sent it to someone to be like, hey, can you check this out and just tell me if you see any errors? And they took it and they changed Walgreens to Costco and then they tried to turn it in. And my, my teacher was like, what the f- fuck is this you just totally copied jake i'm like yeah he did <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I always like writing and storytelling and mythology for sure if i could teach more of that and get away from the standardized tests, i'd be way way happier for sure so do you have any uh, family or friends in the education system that inspired you to join as well yeah absolutely um a lot of my family members i've, I've actually got decorations in my classroom because my grandfather was a math teacher and he had this uh, this star, and it was painted red, and on it it says, teaching is a work of heart. And it's got A-R-T, is art, um, highlighted in, in a different color. It's pretty cool. It's a nice little trinket that I um, in, inherited from him. Ironically, though, um, e- even though he was a math teacher, most of my family sucks at math. I mean, me especially. Yeah. <laughs> If I ever have kids, hopefully they're going to be like uh, really good writers or poets or something like that. You know, <laughs> and yeah, a lot of other family members, science teachers. Um, I got a cousin who's a college professor, and I've been thinking, been considering, maybe I'll try to work in a college instead of a high school. Maybe that would give me more freedom. But I don't want to go and get my PhD. That would be too much work. <laughs> so, how would you describe your teaching style? It's all about discussion, just like having a podcast. And I feel like doing the podcasting has helped me become a better teacher because I learn how to ask better questions and um, try to figure out ways to keep the conversation expanded and not just too linear. And yeah, I mean, for the style of teaching, I like to use what I've been taught, which has really worked for me. The way it is, is really just like the teacher will show us how to do something and we practice it together, and then we get the free time to practice it alone. And when it comes to writing, um, I really believe it's just a process. It's kind of like exercise. You know, you go in, you stretch, 
and then you start to warm up and then you get to the really hard part and then you got to stop and take a break. So I think that um, if I could help my students see that they all got great ideas and they all have topics that they love writing about, um, it's just a, a matter of being patient and working with that process and not expecting to be like um, at the finish line immediately. It takes time, you know. Mm -hmm. So describe an incident where you had to inform a parent about behavioral issue. That oh, that happens, uh, happens a lot. I mean, basically, um, I used to be really, uh, really, really committed to being like the teacher who had no cell phones in their, in their classroom. Um, I, I used to collect them at the, at the, the door, but like drop it in this bucket, you know, just to completely remove any temp temptation for them to be using it. And then I stopped doing that because it's just, uh, I don't like being a police state prison guard kind of kind of teacher the other thing though <laughs> this is this will hopefully make a couple people laugh uh but it's true and so this was january of 2021 you remember january 6th the whole yeah, like storming the capitol so uh-huh january 6th happened right and then <laughs> the early morning of january 7th my 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 boss emailed me it was like hey like we had some crazy things happening at DC's capital. Like, please talk to your students about, you know, why violence is so, so wrong and how you should never, never defy the government and things like that. So I was like, all right, um, they want me to say this thing. So here's what I'm going to do. January 7th, we had class and this was fully remote. Like we were not in the classroom yet. So we're all on our webcams. And I started off class. I was like, hey, good morning, everyone. Um, so if you watch the news, you'll, you'd see January 6th. Yesterday, we had this crazy event at the Capitol. And all I want to say is that, you know, you shouldn't destroy property. Uh, if you have problems, you know, use your language like I've been teaching you. You don't need to break windows and burn shit down or whatever. And then someone <laughs> in my, in my, like, the chat on this Google Meet, they were like, you need to stop immediately. This is not a civics class. Stop brain brainwashing these kids. And I'm like, I'm not brainwashing them at all. I'm just telling them, like, don't burn down public property, you know, or whatever. Like, and so it got really heated. And this parent came onto the webcam and they were like, you need to stop this immediately. Like, you're an English teacher. You should not be indoctrinating anyone. And I'm like, trust me, I'm not indoctrinating anyone right now. I'm just saying, like, don't be an asshole like don't you know like you don't have to go and break windows or riot on the street if something happens you know and well maybe you do eventually but like for, for this scenario like it was january 7th like it was literally the day after like no one knew what the hell was going on like maybe if i had more retrospects i wouldn't have said anything i would have just been like hey guys um you know mainstream media is kind of crazy isn't it anyways let's let's learn english and so that was a kind of an event that got me face to face with a parent and uh, that parent had to have a, you know, a file, a complaint against me. <laughs> I, I promise you, I did not say anything that was political. I was just like, Hey guys, like, just don't be violent. And uh, mm -hmm. they ended up filing the complaint and the principal at my school had a special meeting with my boss to be like, Hey, you should never bring politics into the, the classroom, et cetera. And so, um, that was just, it was very fascinating. Every time I think about January 6th, 
I think about January 7th and how I got way too involved with it. <laughs> so what is your biggest achievement as a teacher? Mm, my favorite achievement to think about is uh, at one point, I helped these students design resumes. Even if none of them had jobs before, I was like, just make it up. And you know, I wasn't like encouraging them to lie on their resume, but I was like, well, what kind of jobs do you want? You know, pretend that you already have them, put them on this resume and just practice making it. And some of those kids went out and got jobs and they use me as a reference and I help them get their first job or, you know, some other job. And that was really cool because, um, you know, that was two years ago that I started doing that. So these kids are going to be graduating in June. And um, I don't know, I just feel like my biggest achievement is really just helping any of the nonsense that the that the Department of Education wants me to talk about and teach is like doing whatever needs to get done, but also making a real tangible impact, like helping them get a job or even just being um, an open ear. Like I know a lot of these kids throughout COVID were totally, totally isolated. In fact, in Connecticut, the mask mandate was so bad that you know, we were like one of the last people to fucking lift it. When I visited Texas or even Florida too, um, throughout 2020 and 2022, no one was wearing fucking masks, but they were making the kids and the teachers wear masks all day, every day. And that created a big boundary between people. So I think my greatest achievement socially was just getting kids talking to each other and getting that social environment back to life. Uh, Cause it was pretty dark and depressing for a while. So getting those conversations going and getting a very lively discussion um, is one of my favorite things about teaching. Mm -hmm. Now, do you watch TV or movies? Absolutely. Now, if you could choose four favorite movies and shows in any genre, what would that be and why? I'll start with TV show. My number one favorite show is Lost. Have you seen Lost? I have. I've, I've saw towards the, I think, towards the end. And then they kind of messed up with the whole ending. And I was like, I gave up. It's like, mm, okay. If actually, no, I watched, the, I, watched, I watched the first four seasons. And then the writing took a cliff. Yeah, dive. they actually switched writers, I think, or switched directors or something. Um, but if you look at it as a whole, like all six seasons together, it's pretty brilliant. Um, so Lost is definitely one. I also really love that, that TV show Heroes. Uh, you know, save the cheerleader, save the world. Um, actually kind of sad too the uh the girl hayden Panettiere, whatever her name is the the blonde cheerleader i guess her brother her, her her younger brother just died he's a young kid of some kind of heart failure like myocarditis uh, so that's that's kind of sad but that's where she comes from and uh so lost heroes uh, I'm a big Game of Thrones guy. Uh, House of House of Dragon was also cool, so I'll count that as one because it's like one universe. Um, and oh man, a TV show that I really liked. Um, well, there were a couple. Like I'm having trouble thinking of one more. Like Lock and Key was a really good show, and another one. Uh, you know, for for Lock and Key, I'll just have that as my number four because it's like taking place in this uh, coastal town, I think it's in Oregon. And the, the whole idea is that there's this mysterious house and all these keys are um, opening certain doors, but they're like also keys that you can put into the back of your skull and open up like certain powers, uh, like uh, 
teleporting or you know doing things like that. So it also connects to this cool mystical um, revolutionary war story where like these British soldiers find this mysterious cave that is like a portal to another dimension, like a Stargate. And then that's where this this house is like right next to the Stargate. So it all ties together pretty cool. Um, I actually never watched the second season, but the, <laughs> the first season was pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, and then y- you asked for movies, right? For films. That's correct, yes. I want to start with a funny movie. You know Bruce Almighty with Jim Jim Carrey? I have. I've seen that so many times. Yeah, it's so good. My my friend and the I... First one, in... The first one they did was good. The second one I think they made... Oh yeah, they Evan they Almighty. Yeah. That was not that great. Yeah, no, the original is great. Um, and then another Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show, because it's just like The Matrix. I have right? not, never, I have never seen that movie. Oh man, you gotta watch it. The Truman Show is just like The Matrix. It's just like Plato's Cave. You know Plato's allegory of the yeah. It's like he basically realizes that his whole life is basically a simulation. Not necessarily like in the Matrix style, but it's like his whole life is set up to be a TV show that people are tuning into. And he can't leave. He's stuck on this set, and he's uh, slowly becoming more suspicious of it. So Truman Show is really cool. Just want to say this too: True Man. He he becomes a true a true man. And the director of the of the Truman Show is named Kristoff, which is like Christ of. He's like the the God figure that directs Truman's life and tells him what to do and where to go. So that's two two films. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, total badass. Uh, I can lump the Hobbit movies in there as well. Those are pretty cool. But like Lord of the Rings gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. And I want to say um, the final movie that I would put into this. Um, oh man, it's so tough. But I'm so happy that you you asked me because uh, you know that's that brings up like a lot of inspiration. But I want to say the film Waking Life. Have you heard of that one? I have never heard of that movie before. What's okay, it about? That's, Waking Life is all about lucid dreaming. And it's about a guy who... Well, have you seen Inception? I have. I have seen okay, Inception. Okay, so Inception is all about lucid dreaming too. But Waking Life is about a guy who cannot wake up. And he's like stuck in this repetitive dream cycle. And the way that this movie is created is that they filmed it like normal live action people. But then they animated this very trippy um layer over everything so it, it looks very dreamy alex jones is in it uh there's like a whole bunch of like random dream characters that just come together and have all these different speeches and conversations and monologues and things like that and the whole idea of the film is just this guy's wandering through this dream this dreamscape talking to all these dream characters there's literally no plot He's just going from conversation to conversation. And then at the end, he's like, well, uh, I can't wake up. So maybe I'm like dead or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, not to spoil it at all, because like the real heart of this film, which I really highly recommend, Waking Life is literally just all about the different ideas that these dream characters have and the way that they're presented. Plus the animation is brilliant. It's really cool. So hopefully... Uh, I- I would love, you know, if if you're gonna come on to my podcast in a couple of weeks, watch the Truman Show and Waking Life, and we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> I know I could. So now, who would it be if you could have coffee or dinner with any four historical figures, and what would you guys talk about? 
Well, I know I already brought up four of them earlier, Alan Watts, Terrence McKenna, Timothy Leary, and Ram Dass, but let me go in a, in, in a different direction. Maybe um, talking to um, – okay, so my father was a big uh, Jim Morrison fan of the of the Doors. He actually saw Jim Morrison get arrested uh, in New Haven back when he was uh, – you know, he was ar- arrested for public indecency at a, a nightclub called Toad's – Toad's Place. That was my my father's very first conversation, or his very first concert um, was the 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 Doors when Jim Morrison got arrested. So it'd be cool to talk to him because not only is a great musician and, and all that, but his father, uh, I don't know what rank, but you know Jim Morrison was very involved with a lot of CIA ops, and his father was a naval intelligence officer, I think. So like they were running all kinds of tests think about like um what's the cult leader uh is it like uh jim jones or he comes yeah, out one, of that's the one from the south Kool-Aid. africa um, there's the nexium cult leader uh keith ranieri and then there's one jim jones and i don't know the other ones on top of my head right now yeah it was the 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 guy who said to drink the kool-aid maybe that was jonestown um Oh no, Charles Manson. It was Charles Manson. It was the same idea. Like he was definitely given like LSD and things and like put through MK Ultra stuff. So yeah, Jim Morrison would be one. Um are we talking like celebrities who are who have already passed away? It could be celebrities. Any however you want to ask that question. Okay. Uh thank you. Uh I would definitely want to chat with mm, I think I would want to chat with Anthony Kiedis of the Red, of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, when I was very young, someone gave me his autobiography called Scar Scar Tissue, and that book really exposed me as a young kid to just a lot of the dark underbelly of Hollywood and drug addiction, and you know, just all the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that come along with that lifestyle of being a musician. So that'd be fun, and and Anthony Kiedis would be cool. I would love to have a chat with Jordan Peterson as well because, and I'll say what you want about him. Uh, he's done some stupid shit on Twitter. Like if he just didn't tweet, if if that if that dude could just like write books and give lectures and stay off social media, like he'd be in such a better spot. But uh, he was a big inspiration for me because in 2018 I started the uh, grad school program that brought me into teaching, and it took a lot of work. I was literally working seven days a week sometimes till 2 a.m. because I didn't get paid as a student teacher. And I was doing that like nine to five. So I had to get a job on the weekends just to make stuff work. And yeah, I was working seven days a week. I was like killing myself. But I listened to a lot of Jordan Peterson throughout those couple of years. And he helped me out a lot. And I know he's been through a lot. And he's studied a lot of cool things like Carl Carl, Carl Jung and Nietzsche and just all the psychology that he, he talks about. It was pretty fascinating. So He'd be fun to talk about. And one more, one more person, one more historical figure. I would love to chat with Nikola Tesla. And I think a lot of people can agree that Tesla was probably like uh, taken out by the feds. Like, you know, if he had uh, like free energy devices, uh, then, you know, anyone who's trying to make a profit would have wanted to take him out ASAP. So I would love to discover what kind of secrets he would talk about. Um, he was a very peculiar guy too. Like I think he had like a very strict vegetarian diet and he would walk around three times. I like 
You ever heard this? Like, if he were to enter any building, he would walk around it three times before actually going inside. It was some energetic principle. I know he always talks about three, six, and nine, and the numerology and the mathematics behind all that. And he's just a fascinating dude. I, I, I really feel like he tapped in to something that was lost. Like when people talk about Tartaria and the mud flood and and Tiquitech and all that, I feel like maybe Tesla was someone, or at least he was the popular popular um uh not a messiah he was like the martyr of you know anyone trying to do free energy they're like you don't want to end up like tesla if you discover <laughs> how to access free energy but yeah i don't know that was uh that would be fun to chat with all four of them for sure so now speaking of music what genre of music do you enjoy and what are some of your favorite artists or bands you listen to well i definitely love the red hot chili peppers if that wasn't made obvious earlier but uh i also you know, if I'm feeling heavier, um, I like listening to System of a Down, and I uh, definitely get down with some electronic music. I've always been a big fan of like psy trance, especially during like my very psychedelic phase of my, uh, you know, my my earlier twenties. And uh, <laughs> so all the above is pretty cool. I'm not like a huge death metal screamo kind of guy. Like System of a Down is pretty heavy, but it's not like, you know, <laughs> but. I can get down with it because I, I I play drums, so I appreciate the uh, rhythm and the professional expertise it takes to do all that. But yeah, for sure, like Red Hot Chili Peppers. There's this new band. Uh, they come out of Houston, Texas. They're called Kroon, Kroonbin. And they're more of like a laid back, kind of like mm, slower, more rhythmic. Uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's pretty fun. Uh, I haven't been to a concert in a while too, so... Just thinking about uh, my favorite shows, uh, I got to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers in Boston. Uh, not with John Frusciante, though. I don't know if you're familiar with John Frusciante. Yeah, he was not a part of the the band at that time. They've gone through different guitarists, um, but he's like the number one guitarist of that band. So uh, he's he's back now, um, and they put out two albums in the last couple of years. But yeah, Ch- Chili Peppers are definitely my all-time favorite. Um, Foo Fighters are pretty good, but... They get kind of weird uh, recently with like, uh, well, first of all, their their drummer passed away and may God rest his really talented soul. He was really good. But I, I think the Foo Fighters got really wrapped up in some like uh, jab drama. Like they mm-hmm. had to get like ever. Yeah. And I don't know, man. I mean, music's great. I separate the art from the artists. Like because the, the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers have also been known to be wrapped up in some shady hollywood stuff all these bands have been all wrapped up into like some stupid things that they, they have done or they or these like club like these like magazines bring up later in their careers yes yes and uh you know god i mean there's uh a, a lot of music if i ever can send you like my uh top 2022 playlist on spotify <laughs> like i'll give you a pretty clear picture i'm all i'm all over the place so now what hobbies do you enjoy doing when you're not podcasting or being a teacher yes uh my favorite is to back backpack and and hike um i've been to a couple national parks uh, i want to go to all of them and one of my good my good friends wants to become a park ranger so if if that really happens, then uh, you know I'll have a person on the inside to give me all the, the good <laughs> tips. But I've been up to uh, Acadia National Park in Maine. I went to Mount Washington. Um, I was recently down in South Texas in Big 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 Bend National Park. 
And uh, there's actually a border crossing into Mexico that you can go. So that was really fun. I got to take a, a little boat across the Rio Grande River and um, have some uh, some nice, uh, you know, nice little Mexican experience. Uh, although, you know, it's kind of like Tijuana, you know, you don't really get very far and everything is um, kind of touristy. But um, I want to keep traveling. I've been to Joshua Tree. I want to go back there really badly and just all over. Uh, I've never been to the Redwoods. Have you been up there before? I have not. Yeah, that, that, that'd be really fun. So, I mean, I, I love camping. Um, I think the greatest investment I ever made was buying instant coffee and then learning how to, you know, get a, uh, a jet boil thing and power up some, uh, some coffee on, on the uh, trail. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's my favorite thing is being outside and getting some uh, nature in my life. Hmm. So are you into video games? I am. Yeah. Um, Assassin's Creed is definitely my favorite series. Uh, just all the history and the, the parkour is fun, but the underlying uh, historical places that you can go to. And what I really mean to say is like the underlying narrative of the ancient alien race that like the, the lost civilization that you get to interact with is really fun. Uh, plus the assassins were real to some degree. So it is kind of like based on a true story in some ways. Yeah. So and Skyrim is great. You ever play Skyrim? I've heard of the game, but I've never played it. Yeah, it's a, a, another I'm more fun of a Nintendo, a Nintendo guy, so I play like Mario, Kirby games. Breath of the Wild. Okay, I've got, I have all the Zelda games, but I've never nice. played them. Oh, okay, I heard people really like it. I, I don't have a a Nintendo Switch. I think I'm I might get one because uh, I mean, because you can like bring it wherever you want to go. But yeah, you I, can. I haven't been playing much. It was really weird. Like so, in June of 2022. Yeah, right around June. Um, this is when I stopped pod. I like took a big break from June all the way to January of 2023. Actually, like I decided I was gonna take a break. I was gonna move to Texas, and then you know I didn't podcast for a long, long time. And in December of 2022, I was playing a lot of video games, like a lot of Red Dead Redemption, running around uh, being a cowboy and all this and. I was in the same pattern I was before. I was like, I'm playing video games a lot and having fun, of course, but I wasn't like feeling fulfilled and productive. And then on New Year's Eve, 2022, I decided I was going to come back. <laughs> and, uh, so January 1st, I like started doing my stuff and I made a video to kind of like bring myself back to it. Um, but I will always love and cherish video games. I actually downloaded a couple today because i got like um uh like a gift card and i was like what am i going to use it on i haven't played video games in a very long time so i got call of duty vanguard and i got um far cry primal and the other one that i'm excited is called um immortal phoenix i think it's like a very mythological based game kind of like assassin's creed odyssey it's all the, the 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 greek myths um and you can play and like fight medusa and like the cyclops and things like that so yeah, so, I hope to dive so, into it with more free time. So, to you, is it important uh, to have action or story while while you're playing a video game? I love the story. I mean, if you ever play Red Dead Redemption, that's probably the number one like most brilliant storyline ever because it's very seamless. Like you're playing and you're watching a movie at the same time, and like the dialogue between characters is nuts, and like it's so realistic. Plus. You can make choices. So like, if you want your character to be evil, like you can choose for them to do that. You know, it's so 
there's a lot of different ways. Like if you play the story um, as a good guy, then you can start over and play it again as a bad guy, or you know, be somewhere in the in in between. And I think that's pretty fun. Um, action is obviously important, but the story I think is what makes you want to come back, and it makes it the most memorable part. Um, so for Assassin's Creed, I mean, that story is woven into multiple games, like having the the alien race. They're dropping these artifacts, and you go and find them and discover this lost civilization and. That is the underlying story, but the action is like the exoteric, like everything is going on below the surface and the action is just like the front facing thing. So yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I never considered that before. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, do you think video games have and do video games impact people's mental health in a positive, harmful or neutral way? I love this question and this topic and I've thought about both sides very deeply. And I got to say, I think video games have more benefits than they have drawbacks. Now, the main drawback for video games is the amount of time that they consume. And if people were to take a look at what's going on, so like, let's take a very popular game, like, uh, you know, a shooter, a mass multiplayer shooter, like uh, Fortnite or Call of Duty Warzone, you know, on the surface, it looks horrible. Like it's violence, shooting, and all that. Okay, fair enough. But if you really look at someone who's playing it and they're playing in a squad, even better if they're playing with their real friends. But even the, even in just like a random squad, they're communicating with each other. They're strategizing with each other. You know, they're um, figuring out how to work together, really. And they're being very strategic in a way that is going to benefit them for like a problem solving kind of standpoint. And coming from a place like Sandy Hook, I know that a lot of people are like, oh, we need to ban violent video games. It's going to like make everything better. We'll ban guns to all this. I'm like, no, none of that's going to really work because the violence that is in all humans, like you and I are both capable of being violent. We just choose not to because we've been taught not to. But it has to be expressed. That's why people need to exercise or people need to do something that gets them like lit on fire metaphorically. So for some people, that's video games. Like I personally, I don't really play shooters too often anymore. I'd rather run around in an open world. But the thing is like there's a lot to it. A video game is not just like a simple thing. It's There are so many hours and hours put into it the layers and layers of content, the stories, the challenges. Maybe there's obviously like some programming, like things flashing on the screen, messaging, and things of that nature. But for the most part, I think it's what you really make of it. Now, if you're spending all day, every day playing video games, you don't have a job, you live in your mom's basement and this and that, like, then yeah, you should probably stop immediately and, you know, uh, clean your clean your bedroom as Jordan Peterson would say but uh yeah I mean if you're using video games is probably like booze you know it's like I don't really like drinking alcohol but I know that it's not gonna kill me if I do it every now and then video games is the same way it's like birthday cake you know I'm gonna I'm gonna have it every now and then I'm not gonna feel bad about it I'm just gonna enjoy it um it's as it's as damaging as watching Netflix except you're you're having a controller you know it's the only difference really so if you're gonna be watching 
violent things on Netflix or whatever, then you know, the video game is no different than that, except you have more um, participation, I could say. Now, uh, tell me about the three most influential people in your life and how they affected you positively or negatively. Interesting. Interesting. Um, well, that's a cool question, man. I, I, I think for influences, um, well, one of my main positive influences is definitely, mm, okay, yeah, I, I got to give a special shout out to my friend Enoch. And Enoch is someone who has definitely had a tough, a tough childhood, a very tough life, but he's never, ever given up. Like there may have been times where he's um, been in a very low place and he like didn't want to go on any further, but he still pulled himself together and kept pushing. And he was able to do so much. Uh, he's still, he's still working really, really hard, but he was able to save up, move his entire family out of Connecticut into Texas and become a man when there was no father in his in his household he became the man of his house and i really respect that and he's brilliant um first of all like his first name is enoch so i think right away like he was born into a world like knowing that uh, there was some really cool mystical truths out there that are not exactly on the surface um so we always chat about that and all the fun conspiracy research and spirituality stuff um Enoch's a big influence on me. So if you're listening, Enoch, uh, I love you, brother. And uh, I, I, someone else. Um, well, I've got um, I've got a couple people in mind. One of my biggest influences uh, was my English teacher, Mister Keylock, and he's from Britain. Uh, he's uh, great, great Britain from the UK. He was the only teacher who had a cool accent. Um, he would call me Loco. He would say, "Loco, let's write some some poetry." And uh, <laughs> horrible accent but he was really cool he uh he he definitely put a lot of effort into inspiring us and i had him for a poetry class i remember one day it was on the anniversary of 9 11 so this was like 2012 or something so it was like almost 10 years maybe and 10 11 years he played so first of all he turned off every single light he turned the curtains off the curtains down made it really really dark and then he played audio from 9-11, like all the screaming and the sirens and like explosions and all the, the audio from that day, like compiled into this one YouTube video. And he, he told us to sit there and like meditate on what we were hearing. And then we were going to write a response afterwards. So it was like a five or six minute video. And we all came up with the coolest stuff. Like someone wrote a letter to the terrorists that were like responsible for all this um saying like how horrible they they were and like how their karma is going to catch up with them and all this and i don't know like there were just things like that he also introduced me to slam poetry so that's kind of fun to because i was you know i had never really considered myself a good public speaker until i started teaching and i was like wow i could probably do okay with this and um the the last teacher i, I would say it is going to be a teacher as an inspiration is uh well i've got another poetry teacher actually and it's kind of cool because 
my poetry teachers have been the most influential because they're the most like radical, free thinking, open-minded people I've ever met. And if you go on my YouTube channel and you go way back, there's a video that I created inspired from my poetry teacher. This was a project where you're supposed to write any kind of poem and then make a video for it, like a music video kind of. So it's called We Are Poets. Uh, It's definitely something that I had a lot of fun making and she was very supportive as I was creating it. And so, you know, between those two teachers, like they were just, they wanted to bring out the gifts that I had within me and help me express them. And so I try to do the same thing whenever I think about what I'm doing as a teacher, even though I am probably going to quit and I don't really like doing it so much because of the system. But still, whenever I get that opportunity, I think about them and I'm like, all right, they gave me such a powerful gift. So let me pass that on to the next person. So those would be my my three main my three main influences for sure. Now, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in your life so far? And what was the worst moment of your life and how did you handle it? One of the biggest lessons, man, that's that's crazy to think about because well, okay. I uh I think when my parents got divorced, there was a big lesson for me to be learned uh, throughout the many years that we patched it all up and you know brought our family back to some kind of baseline. And I say we because it's like, I mean, I was going through a pretty rough time just being in the center of it and being by myself because my older brother graduated high school the year that they got divorced and then he like went away to college. He was like <laughs> escaping. He's like, good luck, Jake. I'll see you. <laughs> Like I was like caught in the middle. I was like, man, you left me here. No, uh, that was probably one of the most challenging moments for me because um, I was being put in a situation and I'm sure anyone who's a child of divorce could relate. Like I was given many opportunities against my own will to choose between one parent or the other and to be on team dad or team mom and to like, you know, put someone throw someone under the proverbial bus or, you know, to join one side or the other, a lot of division. And we've since patched it up. And I think the greatest lesson that I've learned from this was actually thanks to my cousin. My cousin got married a couple of years after they got divorced and she purposely, like she designed like the seating chart. So she put me and my brother and my mom and my dad and my stepmom And like, we, we were all sitting at the same table at their wedding. And that was like one of the first times that we were all together. We were very civil. Um, And since then, since we were brave enough to even show up and do it in the first place, uh, you know, I I have high respect for my parents for doing that because they fell out of love. It's okay. It happens. And they got a divorce and things were pretty bad. But they came back together for my cousin. And they've done this many other times since then for many reasons um just to just to be there so the the main lesson there is they were able to put all their personal stuff aside and just show up and try to be supportive and to spread the the love essentially did i answer your question fully i don't remember if there was a second part yeah you did you you did it all in one well thanks for asking man yeah Uh, so now what is something people seem to misunderstand about you hmm 
That's that's interesting. Um, well, I try to be very honest so that I'm well understood. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, um, I like to think that I can get along with everybody. And maybe I've uh, been perceived as being like uh, an attention seeker. I don't know. And maybe that's that's true. I like I mean, who wouldn't like attention if you do a podcast? Like you got to have like some desire to be center stage if you if you do that. But I think people misunderstand. Okay. I'll give you a a clear example. Maybe a, a little bit different, but this one's definitely relevant. Um I'm usually very social and I think I would classify myself as more introverted in terms of like being in a large group versus being in like a one-on-one or like a small group. And so when I go to a small or when I go to like a large gathering of people, I get very exhausted and I want to like rest and recharge. Right. Sometimes it takes a while. Like it takes more than a day or two and working at a big overcrowded public school is kind of like that. Sometimes I come home drained. I'm like, Oh, I just talked to like, hundreds of people like (laughs) I need to just like go into my little cave for a a while so people probably misunderstand my absence for like a lack of love really like uh, as we all become more mature I think people are starting to pick up on that like people that I've known me for my for my whole my whole life they learn this pattern where if I disappear I'm disappearing just because I got to take care of myself and then I'll, I'll come back when I'm when I'm ready to come back. And um, that was tough uh, as a kid because, you know, kids kind of have to perform for their families to some degree. If you think about it, it's like, all right, we're having people over, come upstairs and, uh, you know, do your thing, (laughs) say hello. And that was, you weren't always ready. I was like, well, I want to take a day off. Can I, can I call in sick? Like, I don't feel like being your son today. You literally sound like me because I do the exact same thing. If someone comes over to my house, I, I will just say hi to them and I'll just go come back in my room. I like, I don't have the energy to talk to you right now. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I think many people are maybe misunderstood because of the social energy. I think it's becoming more normalized to talk about that. You know, uh, it's not normal to just socialize all day. Like uh-huh. I, I cannot do that. So yeah. And no, I'm happy you brought that up too. I can definitely relate to what you said. And sometimes I just need to, go off and be by myself. And I think it's totally normal. No one should feel ashamed about that. Um, but if people don't know you too well, then they might misunderstand you. So I'm not a big, like texting someone all day either. Like I'll I'm go the a same, couple days. I'm the same way. Yeah. So I, I like try to remind them. I'm like, Hey, like if I don't respond to you in like 48 hours, like it doesn't mean I don't love you. I just like, you know, I don't want to be glued to my screen all day. You know, it's bad enough that I'm <laughs> doing the podcast all the time, but like, yeah, it's <laughs> give me a break. So speaking of love, uh, what kind of qualities do you want to partner in the future? Well, if there's a woman out there who likes to be spiritually minded and likes to talk about astrology and is open to the idea that, you know, ideas can change who has a fluid thinking because my beliefs change all the time i'm always learning something new so i don't want to be with someone like if a woman is so fixed and set in her views it is un un like too stubborn basically and <laughs> i can be stubborn um 
but I would definitely want someone um, who is flexible in their thinking. And at the same time, my expectation of myself, I try to give uh, myself high expectations while also like being kind and gentle to myself. But I would definitely like a, a woman who could push me to do my absolute best. And I think when people use the phrase like a power couple, it's like you got both people who are working really, really hard on something that they really care about. And that creates just this energy that both of them share. And so, you know, let's say I'm continuing to build this video and this tutoring business and she's supporting me doing that. And she's also doing her own thing and I can support her thing. And I think that's uh, really beautiful, but yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> back when I was on the dating apps, I was hesitant to put this in my profile. I've, I've, I've since done this fully. The first thing, if you pull up my like Tinder, Bumble, or whatever, and I should delete these fucking apps anyway, but I am on them. <laughs> I don't the use dating thing, apps. I hate dating apps. I'm more yes. a traditional kind of guy. Traditional is like better. To, traditional yeah, better. I like to go and talk to the woman, ask her yes. my 9,000 billion questions like an FBI agent, and then yeah, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. We, like, <laughs> if we connect, then we'll move forward with the conversation or relationship. Exactly. But... I do know people who have met on dating apps and gotten married and all, all this. So just to make it clear, so I'm not misunderstood. <laughs> the first thing that you see on my dating app is unvaccinated. <laughs> Hopefully that makes it clear what kind of person I am. Um, not that like everyone who's on jab is a certain way, but that's just like, I'm going to put it out there. I'm not going to be afraid to say it. And hopefully it'll be a badge of honor for people who are uh, wise enough to see it as that. So why do you think people develop such a strong feeling of hate towards another person? Hatred. Well, I think there's a quote from Carl Jung. It talks about like, anytime someone bothers you, it's because they're revealing a part of yourself that you don't like. So when I think about it, all right, like I, I teach uh, 10th, 10th graders so they're like 15 and 16 years old and these kids when, when they get older they're going to be way different but in this age range of like 14 15 16 all they care about is their social status all they care about is like how other people view them they're so anxious about being liked and being popular only a few of them actually care about learning and like building a future career most of them are so absorbed in their social lives that they have no idea what they're going to do when they graduate because all they care about is like who's dating who or like who they're going to smoke weed with tomorrow, like all this stuff. And so I think people develop hatred just in the same way that Carl, that Carl Jung said it. It's like they realize that there's something about the other person that is reflecting something dark within themselves. So when I get frustrated with, with my students for being so, um, not like self-centered because I'm self-centered for sure. I think we should all be, but their priorities are totally out of whack. And that's because they're young. They're not adults, right? They remind me of myself because if I really cared what other people thought, I wouldn't be doing any of this. I would be totally anonymous. I would have zero social media. I would never post anything. I would just be like a fucking ghost. <laughs> but like... I've been able to speak my my truth and like not worry about it. Like I used to actually worry that like I was going to get fired 
for publicly on my podcast, publicly talking about how this vaccine mandate was so horrible and they're forcing me to get weekly PCR tests and all that. And I decided, I was like, well, I'm going to do it. I might as well just like own it and lean into it. So um, I think I kind of got away from your question, but I think, yeah, definitely people develop hatred for others when they can't accept that darkness within themselves. It has nothing to do with the other person uh, unless they are like deliberately trying to hurt them or like if someone's spreading rumors about you or um, is like causing you harm in some way. But besides that, people usually just get angry and triggered because there's some stuff coming up that they got to work on in themselves. Mm -hmm. So now what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Hmm. Recently, someone told me that whatever you're doing, be good or be good at it. And when I thought about him saying that, I was like, he's saying be good. Like, try to be a good person. Try not to hurt other people. You know, try to make the world a better place. And then whatever you're doing, even if you're like a dishwasher or like a waiter or you're like stocking shelves at like Walmart, like, just be good at it. Like, put your energy into it. If you're going to do something, then try to give it your absolute 100%. Um, so be good and be good at it. That's probably the best advice I've I've heard recently. So going back to your teaching, what is one thing you liked about it and one thing you disliked about your job? Yeah, I dislike the standardized test. I think it's very shallow and it doesn't really accomplish anything. I think it's just a, a funding game where like they're going to give out this test. If a, if a school gets high scores, they get more money. It's really like a pyramid scheme kind of thing. And I'm like uh, a, a dealer of this test. I've got to get the right numbers and fit my quota or else my school doesn't get paid as, as much money. It's kind, of, it's kind of messed up. It's all about numbers and data for them. But what I really like is what I said earlier. I've been able to help students get jobs. I've built relationships with them and their families. And I've got one teacher. Uh, he was my mentor when I was a student teacher. He gets Christmas cards from his old students, even students who have graduated like years and years beyond. And I never really like sought out to just be like a big inspiration, a big role model, because I'm still very young and I have a lot left to learn and, you know, to become a more professional teacher. But it is nice to know that you have the potential to make that positive impact and not only to help them graduate, because graduating is like only half of it. The other half that I'm more concerned about is like giving them the confidence or helping them find the confidence within themselves to follow something that they really care about and not just to do what their parents tell them to do and to become an, an individual, really. Um, that's more exciting than knowing that they're going to graduate and get that piece of paper. It's like, but what else are they going to learn along the way? That's what I uh, try to focus on for sure. Now, questions to end the episode. What is giving you hope right now? Um, well, it's giving me hope to think that just in the last two months, because like I said, I started my podcast again as like a relaunch with a new logo. By the way, I think it's cool that we, we both got new logos and yours is a hawk. Mine is a cat. Like we got that, the animals energy there. Um, it's given me a lot of hope that what I sought out to, to do on January 1st, is actually manifesting. This is actually happening. I'm actually getting paid to make videos. And surprisingly, I didn't think I was going to do the tutoring, but this is happening now. 
getting paid to do that. And it's not just the money either. It's like I stopped podcasting because I sometimes I felt like, well, I'm just a guy who just likes to like do uh, just to talk about the conspiracies and all this. Like, what do I have to really offer? Like, I kind of doubted myself. And then I came back and I was like, well, I try to be like an interesting guest. You know, I'm honored to be on your show. I, I hope I can inspire someone, whoever's listening. You know, if uh, if you have the um, if you have the courage to go on a podcast and share your truth, which I know you've done quite a lot, and I'm proud that you know you've continued doing this because maybe you've experienced this too. Like, I, yeah, I've had times where I'm like, well, who's who's going to care what I have to say? So I just focus more on the guests, and I'm like, well, they've got some gift that they've got to share. So how can I help bring that out of them? And it's very much the same with teaching. So what gives me hope is the idea that like, number one, like you have like goals and dreams, like they really can begin to, to manifest if you're willing to, you know, be disciplined and uh, just keep on going, have some momentum. And then number two, I mean, what we're doing is we're helping people bring out their, their best side and to, share what they've got and uh, i think that's why people listen because they, mm-hmm. they they always know that if someone spends um an hour an hour and two hours how many however much time it is that there's some reason why we're coming together here to share and the reason can always be different but it's always for the same goal it's to inspire our listeners and to offer some insight and hope we're, we're offering our audience hope in a way because if we stop talking, if we stop sharing what we've got, then, um, you know, it's almost like, well, then who's going to, who's going to do it? Like we, we've got to step up and share. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of podcasts out there, but it's kind of cool to think about that. You can listen to 20 different podcasts, all talk about the same topic and all 20 of them will have something unique to say. And that's my favorite mm-hmm. part. That's what gives me hope. Everyone's got something unique to share, and uh, I look forward to hearing more about, um, you know, the unique perspectives that I've never considered before and how they can enrich my own life. Now, speaking of podcasts, what are three podcasts do you recommend to my listeners and why? Oh, okay. Well, we have our mutual friends, the My Third Eye podcast from Ghost, for sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, The Legit Bat podcast will definitely make you laugh, for sure. And I brought this up earlier. Um, I'll be on the Innerverse podcast. So Chance Garten on the Innerverse podcast. Every Wednesday, he's got the Vibe vibe Rant vibe rant on Wednesday nights at 8 o'clock Central. That's on YouTube and Rockfin. Um, Chance is great. And all three of those podcasters are fantastic people. I've really in- enjoyed talking to them. And uh, I think, you know, if I'm going to make those recommendations, I make them in pretty good faith for sure mm-hmm. now if you were given five minutes to speak to the entire world what would you want to say to them five minutes well if you gave me five i'd probably go on for for 10 by accident <laughs> 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 but i would say um i used to end every podcast the same way um i would say goodbye and then i would do like a little outro and i would say be you be here and be now or no, be here, be now, and be you. <laughs> so I was like, you know, be be mindful, be present, 
in the present moment and, you know, try to enjoy what's in front of you and um, be now, you know, like don't be on your phone and distracted because you're going to miss out on what's, on what's happening now mm-hmm. and be you. I mean, speak your truth. That's like the central theme of my podcast. When did you start to speak your truth or when did you stop speaking your truth? That's an even better question sometimes. And really like that authenticity and that willingness to engage with all kinds of ideas, all kinds of people. And to be curious, um, I think is really fun. And being yourself is uh, challenging for some people because they're like, well, myself sucks. Like, why would I be myself? And I'm like, no, you just, if you think about what you have to offer in a unique way, everyone's got something. And so I, I hope that, you know, doing podcasts will help people bring that out of them, especially people who have never been on a podcast before. I love inviting them on to uh, give them that opportunity. So yeah, for my five minute speech, be here, be now and be you would probably be the best way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. Now, lastly, where can people find you online? Oh, thank you, my friend. Uh, they can find me at Loco Listens, the Loco Listens podcast, um, all the social media. And if you want a video edit, check out my TikTok or my Instagram for my portfolio at Loco Listens. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate you, my friend. I'm glad we got to get together after uh, a lot of scheduling uh, back and forth, but uh, <laughs> we made it happen for sure. And, uh, you know, I just want to give you my sincere gratitude, man. And I'm sincerely excited for you. Uh, I've seen, you know, your podcast has transformed from solo shows to now interviews. Uh-huh. So it was really cool that you've made that that switch. And it's inspiring because I've never done solo shows. So um, I, uh, I'm inspired that you were willing to do that. And that takes a much different uh, set of focus and patience and energy. So I, um, I appreciate you, my friend. And I'm glad we got to speak tonight. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And you guys can find me on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and all social medias. And you can find my podcast on all pod- uh, podcasting platforms. You can follow me on at the handle on the screen. Thank you again, for uh, Jake, for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amit. Have a good night, my friend. Thank you.